0: listeners. We are the Chillin' in the Statehouse podcast, the chillest and most statehouse podcast around. I am Andrew Ball, one half of your lovely Kansas Statehouse team, and I'm joined by my better half, our new man, the new man in Topeka, our new co-host, the most important title you have, uh, Jason Tidd. Jason, congratulations on being the new co-host. This is a big moment.
1: Thank you, Andrew. I don't know if better half is necessarily true, but I am. I think glad the listeners will
0: soon be able to judge for themselves on that one. Yes.
1: Well, I have a face fit for a podcast.
0: <laughs> that's not true. All right, but you have a you have a good voice for a podcast, and that's really why we hired you. Yeah. Spoiler:
1: I, I don't remember that coming up during my job interview, <laughs> so uh, I, I must have aced that part.
0: Well, Jason, uh, why don't you tell the good people out there, uh, chill in the State House podcast? We like to, you know, we, we take complex issues and break them down, but we're also we also like a little bit of a personal touch. And I think it'd be good for the listeners to hear a bit about you, your background. You're from Kansas, so this is a big moment for the podcast. We have a true Kansan on co-hosting.
1: Yes, uh, I am born and raised. From Iola, Kansas, so that's the home of our lieutenant governor, one of our top Department of Education administrators, and for those who follow Kansas Legislature, hashtag Kansas Ledge. So you, got, you got it rep- down already. Yes, the the local representative is Kent Thompson. Uh, so I went to Iola High School, went to Kansas State University. And most recently was working for the Wichita Eagle, and now I'm here at the Capitol Journal, which has always been my dream job to cover state government and politics in Kansas. It's my goal to take complex issues and explain how they affect people, uh, whether you are listening to us on the podcast or reading us at cjonline.com.
0: You have the plug for... Your work down pat which is a sign you're a true veteran reporter you, you got <laughs> you know how to get people to 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 come to come read your stuff
1: i i just made sure to listen to you and john hannah and titus <laughs> before uh stepping up to my podcast for the first time
0: well you this this is like a move that was preordained right because growing up you you would read all about Kansas politics, and uh, and and you were a newsman from a young age, correct?
1: Yeah, so my first job was delivering newspapers for the Iola Register, uh, and starting in third grade, I'd take the newspaper to the townhouses there and around the square, and I'd be reading the front page, and I was most gravitated to John Hanna's stories about state government, specifically the ones about education, so I'd get off from school after listening to teachers or some teachers complain about education funding related issues and then read about those issues in the
0: newspaper. And now probably we'll write, wind up writing a bit about school funding I feel like at some point during your time in the cab journal. I think that's a pretty safe bet. Y- yes
1: I, I'm sure that issue will come up uh, hopefully uh, after some COVID things here quiet down we can get back to reporting on education finance and all the other good things that go on here in Topeka
0: well you mentioned covid that is probably the biggest topic of conversation in the state at the moment and it's you know it, we're kind of right back where we were <laughs> in the fall of last year almost because we are see- today we saw since Friday I believe 14 little over 1400 new cases of covid 19. Many of those are the Delta variant of COVID-19. And I mean, these are numbers that we were not seeing for the last few months. We were seeing a few hundred cases over a 48-hour period. And now things are not looking so hot. Jason, you've been tracking this a lot. what at the, you know, kind of as we speak, from your perspective, what should people be, what, what do people need to know about where the trend lines are going?
1: Uh, The trend lines are all going up. Uh, More cases, more hospitalizations, more deaths, more Delta variant, higher positivity rate. Uh, At this point, it sounds like certain hospital officials, especially in the Kansas City area, are getting close to recommending government mask mandates again. Uh, They see it as an important part of the strategy to reduce all these increases we are seeing, especially as they say that their hospitals are now full.
0: Right. I think we saw last week that uh, KU Health in in, uh, Kansas City is not taking patient transfers anymore. That is important because they were taking a lot of patient transfers from the Missouri side of things, where we already saw this big spike and a massive surge of hospitalizations. So this is a sign that really on the Kansas side, we are starting to see communities really deeply impacted. Yeah.
1: Yes, Dr. Steve Stites, the chief medical officer there at the University of Kansas Health System, said that they're no longer taking transfers, as many as five a day that they have to turn down because they are full both with COVID patients and with non-COVID patients. Uh, and that COVID surge there is going to keep moving west and Hospitals here in Topeka, down in Wichita, and elsewhere across the state are going to be feeling that fairly soon, I believe.
0: Well, you mentioned mask mandates, and I think it's worth maybe getting our listeners a little bit caught up. Um, Kansas is still in a place where a statewide mask mandate is not feasible uh, due to legislation passed during the 2020 special session. The governor does have potentially some more flexibility in dealing with the uh, Delta variant fueled spike. That's because a Johnson County district court threw out a favorite topic of conversation on the podcast, and that is uh, a set of sweeping changes to Kansas's Emergency Management Act uh, that was passed earlier this year. Um,
1: Senate Bill 40. Senate for, Bill 40, for if you're scoring who, at home. Yes.
0: Um. Titus was a big SB 40 fan, so I'm glad we've replaced him with a fellow SB 40 fan. Um, and so that decision is is going to be taken up by an appeal by higher courts. There's no doubt about it. But for the time being, it appears, barring any sort of stay of that decision, that some aspects of that law, all aspects of that law, but particularly aspects of that law that Apply to the ongoing pandemic times uh, will not be in effect. And that will uh, have some impact. That means that local health officers, again, have the ability to issue orders, not just recommendations, for what areas can do uh, or should be doing with respect to mask mandates, with respect to caps on mass gatherings or gathering, uh, how many people you can have in a bar or restaurant. Now, it's not clear that any are going to do that. But, uh, I mean, we were talking just in the office. As things start to get worse, now that they have that flexibility again, it's probably something that them and the county health officers and their partners on county commissions, partners or adversaries, depending on what county you're in, may take a look at. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, it's not a question of if it works or if it is the right thing to do from a public health standpoint. It's the question of, are these health officers, do they think it is the politically correct or the socially correct thing to do? I believe one person told you last week that uh, health officers don't want to die on a hill and then have the hill bulldozed.
0: Right. Right. And- yeah, that's that's a good line, and I think it does kind of illustrate the problem because the county commissions do have power to overrule their local health officer, and local health officers serve at the pleasure of their county commissions. So you all can kind of do the math here. You know, it, it's going to require a pretty bold stance, or a county that is that has a county commission that is really on board, which could happen. I mean, if you look back to the fall of last year. A lot of counties did not opt out when uh, the governor issued a statewide mask mandate order. Um, which, uh, cycling back, I should—the governor can issue a statewide mask order, but uh, or statewide orders with respect to virus mitigation. It's just counties can opt out of them. Uh, to be clear, that under the 2020 legislation, but not as many as you would have thought did back in the fall because things were so bad. And I mean, I, you know. It, That might be something we see here again soon.
1: Yes, uh, I am not aware of any localities that have taken steps to re-implement mask mandates. And if it were to happen, it would probably be another week or two, depending on if the Delta variant continues to surge here. Uh, But some have suggested that if there are orders, they may be especially tied to schools where... Mm. students younger than 12 are not able to be vaccinated. So, uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics had that recommendation that masks be required for all students and staff at schools. Right now, the vaccination rate for teenagers, uh, children between ages 12 and 17, are eligible to be vaccinated, but less than 30% have been fully vaccinated. And that does not bode well for the fall after all these Uh, coronavirus clusters at summer camps this past summer.
0: Right. (laughs) Same exact demographics (laughs) coming to a school near you in the coming weeks. Um, Are there any counties out there that have indicated they want to take a look at a mask mandate or is the jury still kind of out? I am
1: not aware of any. If you, the good listeners of the Chilling (laughs) the State House podcast, happen to know of any, please let us know.
0: Well, it seems like a Johnson County which is probably one of the more aggressive parts of the state in terms of imposing mitigation uh, policies. I don't believe there are any school districts out there that are looking at it.
1: The Johnson County uh, Health Department did recommend that the school districts require masks. In Kansas City, Kansas, the public school district has announced that they will require masks. But in Wichita, the state's largest school district, they have already said they won't require masks. And in Topeka, at least three of the school districts here, I believe Silver Lake, uh, I think it was Washburn Rule, and Shawnee Heights, but I'm not positive on that, have all said that they will not be requiring masks at the start of the school year. But some of those have noted that that is all subject to county health (laughs) mandates.
0: And also probably subject to the, I mean, if things get really bad, I mean, we're not 100% sure what to expect here in Kansas. Our vaccination rate um, is slightly higher than Missouri's. It's not high enough to the point where, you know, a rapid spread of the Delta variant will be halted in its tracks. But, um, you know, I feel like this is something that districts will be reevaluating, especially as classes start in about a month. Yes, I would
1: expect that within the next month, we are going to be hearing more from school districts, and some may start the school year as they plan to, with no mask mandates, and we'll see what happens. I I would not be surprised if there are several school districts that two weeks into the school year have to shut down their football programs and other fall sports because of quarantines, because people aren't wearing masks and there's a coronavirus outbreak.
0: Well, and that was a big selling point for getting teenagers vaccinated was the sports end of things because there were so many families that were frustrated because their child, you know, had to quarantine because of a possible exposure, regardless of whether they were infected and they had to miss time, you know, practices, games and whatnot. And and you know, I, I remember talking back when the Pfizer vaccine was authorized for younger folks and you know, the health officials were really hoping that the ability to skirt some of the requirements that were previously in place might be a, a really big carrot. And, you know, you mentioned the, I think it's fair to say, disappointing vaccination uptake, at least from public health. Public health officials would probably say disappointing, you know, from that standpoint. And, and you know, you have to wonder maybe if, if there might be some, some folks uh, reconsidering things if, as you say, this, this, the academic and, and uh, extracurricular uh, life that everyone was hoping to return to gets disrupted. Um, well, another area I know you've been digging a lot into is nursing homes, um, which again is like coming full circle in the vaccine, uh, in, the, in, the, in the pandemic. Uh, you want to fill folks in a little bit if they haven't caught your reporting, kind of what you've been taking a look at.
1: So, the Centers for Medicaid and Me- Medicare Services or it's the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. I never remember which M comes first. Uh, They implemented a rule in late May that federally licensed nursing homes and other care facilities, they have to provide the vaccination status, uh, the aggregated number. So for example, 75% of the staff are vaccinated. That is the industry-wide goal established by leading age and the uh, established by leading age and the AHCA-NCAL that's the Try American Healthcare Association and National Center for Assisted Living
0: Try saying that 5 times fast.
1: Yes, and they are led by former Kansas governor Mark Parkinson. uh so that seventy-five percent staff vaccination goal, uh, very few facilities in Kansas are meeting that currently. At least according to the CMS data.
0: And you can tell us exactly so how many
1: centers for it. Medicare and Medicaid services requires long-term care facilities to report vaccination rates for residents and staff. But as of about June twenty-seventh, when numbers were reported only about 10% of federally regulated long-term care facilities in the state had met that goal. So that's 34 out of over 300 facilities in
0: Kansas have met that goal. So the odds are against you <laughs> on on that one and and Quick plug, if you want to check, uh, if you have a loved one in a long-term care facility, a federally federally regulated long-term care facility, and you want to check out the vaccination rates, slide on over to Jason's story. We got a nice little uh, data visualization in there that lets you search. We are with the Times over here at the Topeka Capital Journal.
1: Yes. Now, resident vaccination rates are actually better. Uh, There isn't a goal specific for them, but... In Kansas as a whole, uh, it's something like 55% of staff are vaccinated across the state, but closer to 85% of residents are vaccinated.
0: And that puts us, I believe, in like the top
1: 15 nationally for states. Yes, yeah, so we, we are. We have a better than average resident vaccination rate, but a worse than average staff vaccination rate. And talking with leading age Kansas officials... Uh, the reasons staff aren't getting vaccinated are pretty close to the reasons that everybody else aren't getting vaccinated. Uh, now nursing homes could potentially require staff to get vaccinated. The concern there is there's already a staff vac- a staffing shortage at long-term care facilities. So if they require vaccinations, some of those people may decide to work elsewhere. Which only further hurts your staffing shortage.
0: Well, actually, it's interesting you mentioned that because I believe Leading Age's national uh, parent group was one of several to call for healthcare and long term care workers to be vaccinated today. Uh, a move which also came at the same time as the Department of Veterans Affairs, the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, is requ- uh, requiring that their frontline staff be vaccinated. So. There are conversations happening around this, but like you said, there' a lot of work left to be done, and the obvious risk here remains. We saw what happened in long term care facilities last year. The high resident vaccination rates should help, but we have seen breakthrough cases in Kansas uh, among the vaccinated. So, yes, we we the the Kansas Department of Health and
1: Environment continues to report clusters at long term care facilities. They report cluster data every Wednesday, and we continue to see active clusters, active clusters that are leading to deaths at long-term care facilities. At the University of Kansas Health System, they have talked about breakthrough cases. Uh, something close to 90% of their hospitalizations are in unvaccinated people. But with this Delta variant, we are it, there seems to be more hospitalizations of fully vaccinated people. But at least at KU hospitals, they tend to be people with, uh, with, with uh, other. What, what's the word? Underlying uh, health y- conditions. Yes, yes. They, they tend to have underlying health conditions that maybe prevented the vaccine from giving them as much immunity as it would in a healthy person.
0: So the 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 state. Hospital officials, they're they're still banging that drum of getting vaccinated.
1: (laughs) Yes, and get vaccinated to protect your community, whether you are a nursing home worker or whether you are a parent of a high schooler or a teacher of an elementary school student, uh, get vaccinated and protect your community.
0: Well, and that's that's definitely the message from the state as a whole as well. And, and you're talking with the governor last week about whether she planned to issue another COVID-19 emergency declaration, which would give a little more flexibility in some aspects of the state response. She basically demurred and said, we're focused on the vaccination end. And uh, nationally, we have seen kind of a a budging of the of the plateau Um, a lot more folks are getting vaccinated in the state it might be a little too soon to tell in terms of trend lines on that but um, kdhe and and i think a lot of other people are going to be hoping that we see a a similar trend in kansas where more people are are be shocked if you will into into getting the vaccine
1: yes uh now what about the nursing home visitation side of it
0: yeah, that so that's this is kind of an interesting flip side of the same coin and as the delta variant cases are increasing, there's a lot of concern about whether nursing homes, long-term care facilities should be you know, what kind, what, what do they need to do to to protect folks and and um there's some dispute I think between advocates who work um you know t- take up the banner on behalf of residents their families and loved ones are saying that you know there are still too many facilities across the state that are not allowing open or more open visitation you know you have to maybe make a reservation or you can't bring in kids younger than 12 or you have to you know, you can only come in for a few hours uh, a couple times a week which you know could hurt you if you're a working uh, if you're working during that time. So, you know, they want to see that, that move. And they point to the fact that, you know, visitation is a right under, uh, federal legislation passed in the, in, uh, the 1980s. Some facilities, they say are coming dangerously close to infringing on that right. But, you know, the, the flip side of that is what nursing homes say. And I think this gets at what you were just talking about. You know, they are worried, uh, you know, they, they are saying that they need to, you know, we're not back to normal, clearly, as you indicate, and they need to take steps to protect their residents, folks who work there. Uh, and if that means, you know, some limitations on visitation, they say there's no evidence to show that there's a widespread trend of like really strict visitation uh, policies advocate's kind of dispute that you know they say that this is due to a staffing shortage due to the fact that you know it is easier to administer for for homes um you know again the facilities themselves disagree with that and and it's kind of it's an area that probably will not have a particularly satisfactory resolution you know for a while if ever because this is going to be you know the the long term care industry says we are we might never go back to normal we're in, we're in a new normal we may eventually get back to the old way but for now this is kind of how it is so it is something i know that that really matters a lot to people who have loved ones in long term care facilities and um it's something definitely to keep an eye on i think in the in the months ahead especially given delta variant uncertainty
1: mm-hmm. and and to beat the vaccination drum some uh, last week, the White House Task Force on COVID, Jeff Zients, E N am not sure if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, uh, he said during a news briefing last week that the data is clear that case increases are concentrated in communities with low vaccination rates. In fact, the counties with the highest case rates have significantly lower vaccination rates than counties with low case rates. And I decided to put that to the test.
0: What did you find? Uh,
1: generally speaking, he is correct. So I collected KDHE and White House slash CDC data on COVID case rates and on uh, vaccination rates of the 105 counties in Kansas. I put them into a scatter plot. It's available at cjonline.com and on my Twitter That's Jason underscore TID. Uh, Nice plug there. Yes. Uh, And generally speaking, the higher your vaccination rate, the lower your case rate. Now, of course, there are several exceptions. You can find counties with low vaccination rates that have zero new cases. Or you can find counties with high vaccination rates that have high case rates. But the trend line... And what, the trend line crosses zero new cases at about seventy-five percent fully vaccinated rate. And public health experts have rec- have uh, have estimated that herd immunity could be reached somewhere between seventy and eighty-five percent vaccination rate.
0: Uh,
1: now, I spoke with the Kansas Health Institute. They recreated my analysis, and they say that the analysis does not account for other variables that drive case rates. For example, I did not account for the Delta variant. I did not account for ages. And, uh, Jason
0: like, talented though, he may be, does not have a master's in public e- health.
1: Exactly. My, my minor was in economics, but I stopped short of being able to do these more complex kinds of analyses. I. Uh, So, in speaking with a master's of economics at the Kansas (laughs) Health Institute, he said that there does appear to be a weak correlation, and we should continue to follow this. But statistically speaking, it doesn't have the level of certainty that you would hope to have when looking at this kind of data. But if you are a doctor or a nurse at a Kansas hospital... You can't wait for the kind of data that is clean and accurate that economists would like to use Right, (laughs) when your hospital beds are full of COVID patients. That's the only data you need to see to know that something is wrong.
0: Right. Something we will definitely be tracking the pandemic as a whole, obviously something we will definitely be tracking. And Jason, why don't you give your uh, Twitter handle and everywhere they can find your work again for the for the folks out there? Yes, You might want to read your, your latest updates on COVID-19 and whatever else happens in this building.
1: Yes, my Twitter handle is at Jason underscore Tid.
0: And how do you spell Tid?
1: T-I-D-D.
0: All right, folks, now you have no excuse for not following him on Twitter.
1: Yes, and you can find both of our work at cjonline.com.
0: You can also find us on the social media. Uh, the Cap Journal is at Twitter, at CJOnline, or on Facebook and Instagram, maybe even TikTok by this time next week. We might we might be on, uh, there'll probably be a new social media uh, that, that crops up between now and our next podcast, uh, but wherever, wherever you get your news, The Cap Journal is almost certainly there as well.
1: Yes, and wherever podcasts are sold.
0: Yes, wherever podcasts are found, you can find Jason and I, every week, talking about the latest uh, Kansas government and politics news with some guests from time to time, too. You can do that Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or if you're lazy, which, fair enough, you can just go to cjonline.com. We post them uh, at 10 a.m. We try every Monday at 10 a.m. We don't always do the best job on that. But, uh, but bear with us as we trans- transition back into a, a new podcast normal, shall we say.
1: We're usually pretty good about deadlines, but this is one that we let slide.
0: <laughs> well, we did today, but next week we promise to be a little more punctual. Uh, Jason, welcome, welcome to the show. This was a good first podcast, I think.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: And we will see you next week, same time, same place. Have a good one, y'all.